you have to basically challenge your conventional thinking and you have to distort the lens in which you see the world up until now. Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they invest in and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate, from co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to Ready to Scale. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host, broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, you know it, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who join me on my deals. So this season, this is the second season of uh, Unbelievable Real Estate Stories. And here in Ready to Scale, we actually focus on the business side of real estate. And there are three concepts that I like to call APS of real estate. So we're going to talk about assets. We're going to talk about the process and we're going to talk about strategy of buying real estate, multifamily, senior housing, could be fix and flips, finals, all kinds of strategies, processes, and assets involved in real estate. So if you also enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to rate us and don't forget to like and follow along with me on my social media platforms. So I would like to move forward and introduce our guest today. His name is Ola Dantis. That's a really, really cool name. And Ola is a CEO and founder of Dwelling.com, a multifamily investment syndication firm that he actually started about three years ago. So in this time, he had successfully sourced deals over $40 million by working with sellers and other apartment syndicators across the country using cutting edge technology to leverage acquisitions, repositioning, development, and management of multifamily residential properties. Ola's most recent deal was an $11.5 million, 160 unit building in Houston, Texas. And we're gonna talk to him about that momentarily. And in addition, Ola aims to give back with his work through One House Pledge, an initiative to donate a house to a family for Christmas, starting in Baltimore. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ola. Thank you so much. What an introduction. I wish my wife could hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she can always, you know, listen to the podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Well, so you're you're in Baltimore. That's where you are right now. Correct. And your main focus is multifamily properties. Correct. And the latest deal that you've closed was the 160 units apartment building in Houston. Tell me about this this deal. I mean, how did you get involved and and just basically anything interesting that you think I would want to know and my listeners would want to know about this deal? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think I would definitely want to jump in into the deal, but I I usually like to give folks you know, because it's like I, I'm kind of like fast forward into this big deal, right? I didn't start with this big deal. I actually started with a duplex, you know, yeah. so I, I love to talk about that. Just kind of give some 
some context, right? So it's not like this guy from nowhere just bought a building, you know, no, like <laughs> there's like so many things that happened before that. And I'm going to try my best to like zip through it and get to this 160 unit. So I'll be really quick. You know, my wife and I moved, you know, to this country, you know, like about five years or so ago, we had a pretty amazing life, standard American dream. We had a job, we, we had this fancy apartment. My wife and I were paying cash flow for, I mean, then we didn't know we we're paying someone's cash flow, but now we know. <laughs> <laughs> we're enjoying our life. You know, we, we, we got really comfortable with that life, right? Well, a friend of mine kind of called me out of the blue and said, hey, Ola, can you jump on the plane and meet me in Dubai? I'm meeting with some investors and I kind of want you to help me with my business. So can you, you know, come and meet me there? So obviously when I got this, I've been having an itch to do something else instead of just going to work and coming home and doing it all over again. So, but I didn't know what to do. So when I got that call, I obviously did what every wise man does, right? I prayed about it and I asked my wife. <laughs> my wife was <laughs> like, have you guys heard of something called Zoom or FaceTime or Skype? Why do you have to fly all the way there? And I kind of convinced and say, hey, well, if I do go on this trip and learn something new that could actually help our family, our young family at the time was just me and her. Anyway, long story short, I was on the plane to Dubai. You know, I was in just a hotel room for like three, four days, masterminding on my friend's business, who is actually in the UK, where I'm from, and was making a ton of money in real estate. So I was like, oh my God, maybe I can do this in America, right? So I got back home, kind of started learning as much, Googling literally from ground up, you know, learning how I could get myself involved in real estate, read a ton of books, a lot of books, still do. And shortly thereafter, we bought our first property, first building. It was a duplex in a class A area here in Baltimore, Maryland. And, you know, my wife and I we were at home one night, you know, doing what lovers do, cooking. <laughs> 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 Basically, I was telling my wife like, hey, you know, we bought this building and I've just realized that my account just keeps growing every, every month. Like I, it just grows so much. It's getting fat. And she's like, me too. You know, she had the same epiphany. I was like maybe we could do like this, like a lot, like, you know, this is just one building, like essentially somebody's paying our rent, our mortgage, you know, through their rent and we're just keeping all the money we make. So we thought, Hey, let's scale. Right. So we obviously set up our company dwelling.com. Like you said, it's a multifamily syndication company. And then we basically started building the foundations to this you know, 160 unit that you mentioned, but it wasn't that straightforward. And I like to mention this for anyone listening, right? I met a friend, a partner, and he's like, hey, maybe we can start flipping. And I was like, hmm, I have been watching HGTV a lot. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so and I it's so easy, hours. right? <laughs> it's so easy, right? <laughs> and so costs I, nothing. <laughs> it's usually just 10,000, you know, just yeah. paint, you know. <laughs> so I did that for like a year and a half or two, flipped a few houses and I realized, oh my goodness, no, 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 no. Let's go back to like the duplex. Let's go back to multifamily. But of course, that there's always a price to pay right there's never a discount in life so i lost some time right because i was in my project every day flip trying to flip mm -hmm. this house and i flipped that house and took my attention away from multi-family but after i finished this project jumped back into multi-family a few months later we 
got this 160 unit under contract. So let's go to the 160 unit. So this was a deal that we found in Texas. It's 160 units. You know, my partners and I were very fortunate to take that down. Obviously, we've got our investors involved. I was actually on a an asset management call yesterday, actually, with our boots on the ground, our property management company, with our partners and some of our investors. And we're doing pretty well. Numbers are looking good. We're on track. Our CapEx budget, which is basically capital expenditure, how much you spend for those listening. I don't want to just keep throwing, you know, and what's that, but essentially what we're spending to, you know, add value to the property. So we're on track, we're on budget, we're looking pretty good and we're looking pretty excited. And just to add to this, I don't know if I told you earlier, but we actually have another a 104 unit under contract right now in the state of Texas. Oh, um, congratulations. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. So we're actually looking at that. We're looking to close here next month. We'll be closing the the round and um, the fund round for that as well. So a lot going on, but I just didn't want to jump into that and they think, oh, who's this guy with the weird accent? And you know, whatever. Like there, there was a process, there were failures along the way, there were successes. And I think it's nice to give people that kind of evolution as opposed to a quick fast forward, like, hey, I'm successful. Look at me, I'm special. No, there was a story. Yeah, I, and I feel that there's always a story. Nobody is really starting just buying, you know, 100, 200, 300, 400 units from the get-go. There's always a learning curve. There's always some, you know, trials and errors. And for someone who's looking from the outside, it looks, oh, this guy's so successful. I want to be you. I want to do what you do. And I actually meet a lot of people that are at the beginning of their way. And they say, I want to be you. I want to do what you do. It looks so cool. And I sit and I smile and I say, listen, I'm sitting here. I'm very calm, very professional. I smile at you, but it's been tough. <laughs> we don't we don't really talk about how hard it is. And some days it's like daily struggles. And, you know, you go through a deal, everything looks good. And then it goes, it goes sideways. And when it does, it's really challenging. And, you know, I'm very grateful to have a really strong partner by my side. It's not easy. And, and they got to know it's not easy and it's not quick. People think that there's kind of a formula or a book. They'll finish reading the book or they'll listen to five podcasts from the beginning till the end and they'll know how to buy multifamily properties and make money. Maybe you can buy it. I don't know about making money if you don't really know what, you, you know, what you're doing. So I can totally understand. <laughs> so tell me about this deal. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't an off-market deal. You know, we got in the market. We had a few, you know, bids in, but we got awarded the deal. We like Houston, Texas, a really unique market, right? A lot of people, the first thing they say is, hey, but what about Hurricane Harvey? And I say to that, that's kind of a once in a century kind of event. And I don't know if I'm going to be around, you know, in a hundred years. I mean, that's so, <laughs> <laughs> so for us, we're kind of like narrowing on that market. A ton of folks invest in Dallas, Fort Worth and you yeah. know, these are fantastic markets, you know, but it was just super competitive for us. So we kind of, you know, we actually right now looking at really specific markets within Texas that people are not really looking at right so Houston was one of those markets and we just thought hey let's kind of go head in we had some you know issues here and there but for the, for the most part we were able to push through like you said you know the, <laughs> not everything is to go as planned right that's yeah. essentially life right but we're able to close and now you know our property management company is pretty good so we're 
you know, doing pretty well, right, in terms of budget. So that has been great. We're trying to get our occupancy up to where it should be. As of yesterday, it was like 83.8. So we're trying to move that up, of course, and increasing our leasing activity, making sure that the metrics have been met. And for the most part, we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty good and we're pretty happy. Now we're just trying to, you know, make sure that this, this latest deal, 104, goes through right as well so you know we've got commitments already we're pretty good we're on track we're excited and obviously this deal is actually very unique because um, my partners and i actually own a property across the road from this particular deal we have on the contract but well obviously we can talk about that so we're trying to literally combine the two assets and obviously create some operational efficiencies and literally connect there's actually going to be a bridge that will build across the the creek that runs that basically divides the two assets so we're going to integrate two assets repackage them you know in a, in a really sh- you know short period of time and sell that off to an institutional investor so it's it's a that's smart yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, it's a very unique play there. So that's what we're trying to do. And it's fascinating. So we're, we're just excited. That's a one, about 190 something. I don't want to give out the exact numbers because we're still kind of, you know, so we're going to combine it two into three and something units and then just say, hey, you know, institutional investor, you know, you can come mm-hmm. and take this off us and, and get a good upside, obviously, and a lucrative event in about in a few years. Yeah. So we're really excited about that. We talked about, you know, the asset part and multifamily, your experience, how you started. Let's move and talk about the process. So in your bio, you mentioned the, we mentioned the cutting edge technology that you're using. So how do you use technology to grow your business in a short period of time? That's a fantastic question. There's a ton of ways, right? A ton of ways, but I'm going to try to go straight to the point. We currently use, you know, software like Costa to basically get, because the, the first challenge for people is I've been trying to find the owner of this property, but it's on their LLC. So we can't pierce through, <laughs> you know, the LLC to find the actual owner and actually get their telephone number, right? Mm-hmm. So that's always been the major issue. But of course, we have those technologies and obviously AI is doing, you know, pretty well on machine learning and you can basically yes through that stopping block of who owns this you know this apartment so that's been really good for us but of course the cosmic technology is just the start right we like to leverage on the laws of 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 averages right we know if we call a hundred sellers right in-house we can get a a pretty fair amount of deals right a hundred at a go right so with the cosmic technology you have to be able to do the work, which is kind of what you alluded to just, you know, not long ago, you have to make those calls, even though you mm-hmm. don't want to, even though you might get the, no, don't call this number. Where'd you get my number? Whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just keep pushing through and you know what you're trying to achieve and you know, the law of averages are on your side. And we do both. You know, I speak to brokers all the time. I love brokers, but sometimes we just want to make sure that we're getting the best you know, deals for our passive investors, those that have, you know, given us this opportunity to steward their capital and, and grow their capital. So that's why we, we, we have both approaches. Mm-hmm. And so you use basically CoStar to understand who are the actual owners and not just the LLCs, not the company name, because then, you know, good luck talking with the actual person who who's making the shots. But that's interesting. Did you feel that 
that help you scale your business, you know, compared to another, you know, to the alternative of just trying to find the names elsewhere? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, I think having that is an edge, you know, but then also making sure that when you call the seller, you're using the, the right verbiage, you're, you know, you're basically speaking the language they want to hear. I mean, businesses are very fascinating, right? It's not just doing one thing, it's a combination of things, right? And we make sure that when we call, we have the we have the same kind of spiel that we give, right? You know, we're seeking off market. We're not trying to, you know, get this property on the market. We're not brokers because we, we actually buy, you know, we, we have a, an investment group that can take this off you. And we use different parameters when we make the searches, right? We're not going to call somebody that just bought a, I mean, I'm sure you get those calls, you know, here and there from brokers. We're not going to call you if you just bought a property yeah. last year because we yeah. know you're still executing your business plan, right? Mm-hmm. So we make sure that it's it's a particular type of seller. Maybe they're at a, at a particular, you know, point in their life. Maybe they want to retire. I mean, when I'm in my 60s, probably want to sell my portfolio and go island somewhere and meditate all day, right? So everybody gets to that point. So we're trying to make sure that we're targeting the right sellers and saying the right things and making sure that we, we get the deal and obviously can execute on that deal. Now, the other thing I do want to mention about cutting technology and might not be cutting edge, but it's just the appearance and the positioning of your brand online. And our name, Dwelling.com, was on purpose, obviously. So we make sure that at every touch point with our customers and our clients, there's that, you know, pursuit of of perfection, right, in everything Mm -hmm. we do, right? Currently, we're working on our investment, you know, portal. We have to make sure that that matches with our brand. We're trying to vertically integrate dwelling as well. So every you know aspect of our business, we have to make sure that it does align with that cutting edge technology, does align with that pursuit of perfection and making sure that our investors come first. So mm-hmm. it's it's a very fascinating topic. I can talk about that all day, but <laughs> essentially from you know from when you go to our Instagram or our Facebook, we want to make sure that you you meet perfection and then you click on our link to our website, you meet perfection. Then you sign up for our newsletter then you meet perfection from the first MailChimp in newsletter you get. It's kind of the idea of everything looks um, engaging, educational, captivating, and it makes you think. So that's kind of like, you know, where we kind of using technology in this holistic way through design and simplicity to, to make everything come together. Um, I know we're selling investments, but that's part of the package, right? Yeah, absolutely. Technology plays a big part of it. I mean, today, when people, when investors are not flying to see the investments, they, what they have is just, you know, go to your website, assess your, you know, credibility, look at the investor package and see how nice it is and how professional it is. All these things they count, they count. So you can't really do well if, if you're behind technology or if you're, presentation online is not top-notch, absolutely top-notch. So you're absolutely right there. I want to move to the third part, the last part of our conversation about strategy. And I know you're a huge believer in mindset and the role that mindset has in any business and any success. Can you talk to me a bit more about using your mindset to grow your business and and succeed as a strategy? 
Yeah. I mean, oh man, Ellie, I, I wish we had all day for this, but obviously we don't. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what I love to talk about. And not just because it's kind of like, you know, that's just what you say, like you can do it type of talk. It's just, I feel like a large majority of people get into, you know, businesses or entrepreneurial ventures without really understanding that, you know, the foundation is all about your mind, right? Your mindset, right? Because if you don't, you know, lay that foundation and hit your first roadblock, you the reason why, you know, you've heard the statistics, 80% of businesses fail in their first year and the 20% that make it fail in their fifth year, whatever it is, right? But that's because people just jump in. Like, you know, you know, when there was the crypto craze or, you know, Bitcoin, like, oh, I'm going to go do Bitcoin. Yeah, that's good. I want to do real estate. But what is your life view? How do you see the world, right? What are you telling yourself? What I tell people, you know, people reach out to me all the time from the podcast. Hey, all I want to pick your brain. I want to take you out for coffee. I want to do this. I want to do that. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is you have to basically challenge your conventional thinking and you have to distort the lens in which you see the world up until now. Like, How do you do that though? Yeah, that is fun. I'm glad you asked. (laughs) 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 The first thing you have to do is you have to read like crazy. Right. And I always ask people, I was like, how much does a library card? I know we don't use that anymore, right? It's like 2019. <laughs> what are libraries? A- I think la- last time I was there was, uh, I don't know, in my MIT days, probably like what? <laughs> Five years? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Those things are free, right? Because most mm-hmm. people say, oh, well, I don't have money. I can't afford it. I can't afford to buy a book. So I can't afford the audible subscription or whatever it is, whatever is the excuse. But library cards are free. And I think the statistics in the U.S. is like, I don't know, less than 2% actually own one. I mean, it's free, but people don't even have that. So you have to read books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of people think it's a real estate book as such. No, but when I read that book, I got an uppercut, like awakening of, of like, oh my God, this guy is literally writing down everything. I felt like I wrote the book. <laughs> so when you read a book like that, you take a step back, like, wait, hold on a second. I've, I thought life was go to school, get a job, be a good boy or girl and go to the next you know, phase of your life, whatever that is, or, you know, just keep doing it. But life is much more than that. Right. So you read and then you distort your view and just don't read the same topic. I love philosophy. I read about psychology. I can talk about neurochemistry. I, I can, I, there's, you have to be expansive because you're trying to clean house, right? So you got to do that first, right? And if you keep saying to yourself, oh, I can't do it, your brain is listening, your brain is eavesdropping, and whatever you focus on becomes your reality. So Mm -hmm. you have to be very careful of every single thing that your brain is doing. So when you do that and you tell yourself, hey, I'm doing this new thing called real estate, I know it's going to take me, I think Brian Tracy True Statistics out there it takes you seven years to be a master at anything or like you know Malcolm uh, Malcolm Gladwell at on outliers 10,000 hours 10,000 hours I know I read that book fantastic book yeah but I mean imagine that that's a long time so if you're yeah. giving up after six months I mean it's nothing to do with the business it's nothing to do yeah. with real estate it's nothing to do with I don't know cryptocurrency blockchain whatever you want to do Amazon stuff from whatever people are doing these days it's you. So you got to start on yourself. Do not, if you listen to my voice, do not skip that step. Absolutely. And every 
absolutely every successful person that we know today, they failed more than once and they failed miserably, miserably. It's not a small failure. And I think a lot of people don't even allow themselves to get to the point where they're actually failing because they're afraid of failure. And failure is scary. I mean, who's not scared of failure? But it's like, you know, uh, we look a one-year-old. Well, I don't know what when babies actually start, you know, walking six months or, or nine more or 12. I don't know. I, I don't have kids. So I, I don't know. But when they do, let's say it's a year old, they all get up and they fall and they get up and they fall until they walk, until they run, until they, I don't know, Fly. jog, surf. <laughs> yeah. But if yeah. that bit, if you're like this baby and you're afraid to take the first step because you're afraid to fall, you're always going to be seated and you're going to be left behind. And let me tell you, there, a lot of people are afraid of that. And I mean, hell, I, I was afraid of a failure. You know, everybody is. But I think mindset, like you said, can really play a significant part of that, of kind of bypassing, you know, this fear and believing because, you know, that everything is possible. And what the way that I see it, and I'm a huge believer in mindset myself, thoughts are being translated into words that become actions and that become that becomes your reality. So if you tell yourself, I can't do it, I can't do it, others can, I can't, guess what? It's probably what's going to happen. You're right. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's worked great for me. So I'm a huge believer. And again, it has to follow. It's not only mindset. You have to act also. Because if you sit down and say, I can do it, I can do it, but it's not do anything. You have to execute, right? And, and like, yeah. you know, when you said it worked for you, I just, something just, you know, came into my mind as well. You've been in America for about five or so years, mm-hmm. like same as me, right? And we're buying apartments with partners and stuff. Yeah. And we, somebody might go, well, I was born in this country. And, you know, like, so why is that, right? But that's a fascinating, it's a rhetorical question, of right. course, but the, right. why is that, you know? And when you start to think, right? And sit down and say, well, why is that? Why am I not buying apartments? And I want to, why am I not doing real estate? And I want to, when you start to reflect, right? Wisdom comes from reflection. Everybody can do well, but you got to sit down mm-hmm. and stop the rat race and say, hey, hold on a second. Maybe I should go away for a weekend. I just think, why am I not doing what I want to do? Exactly. And I think it's easier for maybe in a way, I mean, immigrants who come here, they have so many other difficulties and challenges, because we're not kind of part of the day-to-day, you know, process, or it's not that we've been here for 20 years and we're used to do things in a certain way. You come from outside, you're thinking differently, you see things differently, and you're not afraid to, I mean, we've left the country we were born, you know, in and, and moved here. That's a huge change. So we're more, I think we're more open to changes. It just, but we do have, there's a lot of, like, I started here, I knew nobody besides my my husband. He he was my boyfriend at the time and his family and that's it. I knew none of my investors were people that I knew before I came to the US. They were all people that I met here. And so if if I have this network and I built it in in a few years, really anybody can do it if they put, totally you know, agree. the time, the effort and like you said, have the mind, you know, have the right mindset. Well, that was great. That's fascinating. I, I can talk about this for, for days. We've approached the last part of our interview. This is the lighting round questions. Are you ready? Yes, ma. Let's do it. All right. So, Ola, what's your favorite hobby? Oh, man, that is, uh, you know, I haven't even thought of that. I have a lot, actually, but I, I know this is like so generic, but I'm going to go with 
traveling with family. Even though my daughter now is two years old and traveling with a two-year-old is interesting. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm that guy on the plane. I'm that guy with the baby on the plane. Oh, um, but, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's really, I, I love spending time with my family, obviously, and, and just traveling. I mean, we were in Bali in December. We went to the Philippines. I was in Israel. I, you know, I mentioned that in mm-hmm. Tel Aviv. So, and also the reason I like doing it quickly for those you know, that are listening is when you travel, you, you also your worldview changes just naturally yeah. you can't help it so yeah. I, I love the extra i mean yeah i get to stay in the pool or whatever but i, I like that part too all right perfect next question what is the one thing that people don't know about you oh the dirty dark secrets I'm <laughs> um, <laughs> um, people don't know that I actually a lot of people don't know that, that i actually went to medical school oh yep what wow and what happened I mean, obviously, we know what happened at the end, but what happened then? <laughs> well, I did medical science and I, I basically, I don't think I was smart enough to be a doctor. I mean, all my friends now are doctors and they're complaining about the long hours. So I don't know. Mm. Um, I think I'm okay. <laughs> I, I hope that they're in your investors as well. Some of them are. Yeah. <laughs> or want to be anyway. All right. All right. So uh, what do you wish you had known when you started out? Oh man, I wish, I wish the question of what, what would I know when I was 18 or 12? I wish I knew about real estate, specifically buying apartments, you know, years ago. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know, five years ago, maybe even given a, a great edge start or 10 years ago. So yeah, multifamily investing for sure. All right. Uh, last one is what is your number one advice to real estate investors who want to scale their business? So I'm going to make a presumption that their business is already doing okay. So you've mm-hmm. passed out, you've passed that <laughs> stage of like, you know, self-talk. So you're actually, you know, doing okay. I think it's, you know, making your, your investors central, right? Mm-hmm. Making sure that your investors are right bang in the middle of the decisions you make, making sure that they're, you know, they're being used as an intel to grow your business, right? I always say, people say, I want to do this on my business. What impact does that have on your investors? Because if it's not... Why? I mean, think about that, right? Why are you doing it? So yeah. we always try to make sure that if we want to, like right now we're thinking about, you know, vertical integration for those, you know, we want to know what that is. We're trying to do everything in dwelling. Like we're trying to, you know, put everything in. So it's like the question is, is that good for investors? Well, maybe, maybe we can give them a better return. Maybe not. Or maybe we're going to be overwhelmed with property management and, you know, lose our focus. So it's really like, is this good for my customer and and that's a you know fascinating question excellent advice excellent advice well ola thank you so much for being on the show if listeners would like to reach out to you where can they find you yeah um ola dancers i'm pretty ubiquitous on the internet you 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 know you can't miss me (laughs) i'm the only one in the world with that name (laughs) so just just google my name or go to invest with ola so that's invest with ola and what that does essentially redirect you to dwelling.com you can reach out I'd love to hear from people that you know heard my story or if you just want to say hi more than happy to hear from anyone alright perfect well thank you so much I really appreciate it thank you so much
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.